Hi, how are you? Howdy. How you doing? I'm good. How are you feeling? I'm all right. Getting there. <laughs> Getting there. Still a little, you know, sensitive. You know, okay. um, it should be. It, it should be pretty much better if, you know, everything takes a little bit of time, but good. The city of New York, Boricua from the Bronx. So um, why don't you introduce yourself for everybody? Tell them who you are, what you do. Tell them about your, your company and we'll go from there. Got it. So my name is Michael Werner. I am a urologist and I did a fellowship, which means extra training after urology in male infertility and male and female sexual dysfunction. Um, I have offices in uh, White, in Purchase, New York, and also in New York City, right next to Grand Central. And the practice, again, is limited only to those fields. Um, and in terms of male infertility, we do sperm banking um, and we do donor sperm banking. Um, not for anonymous, but let's say you don't have sperm and you want your brother, a designated donor uh, for someone, uh, or if you're a lesbian couple and you want a specific guy, um, then they have to be, well, we'll go through the whole donor thing. So that's that's the lab. Um, and my practice, uh, we really pride ourselves in really getting to know the patients super well, spending a lot of time with them um, and uh, really looking at the whole picture. The other thing that I do um, is what's called the no-needle, no-scalpel vasectomy, which is the gold standard of how to do a vasectomy, much less invasive, much less discomfort, much quicker, much better. Um, and I'm sort of the local guy north of the city who does that. Right. Which and 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 as far as I could find in my research, you're pretty much this is it. I found one other dude and I told you that your site gave me more comfort. Speaking to your people made me feel more comfort. I mentioned uh, Chantel. Um, she she made me, you know, getting a vasectomy is a scary thing, right? I, I can imagine that you encounter <laughs> that. It's freaking horrifying. <laughs> you know, it's very scary. I've been thinking about it for years, and I, I've been putting it off because I was afraid. I think I called you guys many times before, and I just never followed through because I was, you know, I was afraid, you know, Um but I will attest that as far as, you know, getting your, uh, I guess, you know, not to be vulgar, but uh, getting nipped Stipped, up, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, this is as pleasurable an experience as it can be, I imagine. I don't know because I don't have a point of reference. Right. Well, what was your experience? <laughs> How would you describe it to your buddies or to your listeners? Well, exactly as I did, right? All things considered that we are, you know, you're, you're, you're having your your scrotum opened um, and things cut in there, and it wasn't anywhere near as bad as I thought. I think it was more of the anxiety of it coming up, right. knowing that this is going to happen, even while I was sitting there. Now, I did take some Xanax beforehand, and I didn't really think it did anything for me because I was still nervous, but maybe it did, and I'm just not aware of it. I, I can't say yeah. so, so basically <laughs> right so for for just to explain the procedure so basically it is done strictly as a local in my office we do have guys take uh, a Xanax and a Tylenol with coating like an hour before to just decrease the anxiety and the discomfort um, and then basically what I do is I take a spray gun so there's no needles 
and I spray it and it feels like you've been flicked with the rubber band pretty hard in the scrotum, right, Angel? It's sort of like- uh, Yeah, so that's yeah. the thing you did seven times. It's just yes. a spray? Yeah, it was, it a, was just a spray. And then I take a, a clamp and I poke the scrotum right where I've already sprayed. So that part you don't feel. I spread and then there's a special clamp. This was all um, developed by the Chinese. Take a special clamp and I can grab the tube um, uh, through that little teeny poke, uh, the, the vas deferens is the tube, and bring it up to the surface and then manipulate it that way. So that basically I can do everything I need to do through, you know, literally the nick is this big. At this point, if you were to look in your, your scrotum, you probably wouldn't be able to find it. There's no stitches or anything like that. It's that small. We don't even put a Band-Aid on. Um, and then basically I'm cutting across, uh, quarterizing um, the center, um, and then tying some fascia over and just dropping it back. So usually the average is about 12 minutes. And that's, of course, you have two sides. So that's for both sides. And it's all done through the same little nick in the center of the of the scrotum because you just push the, the tubes on each side. And let me tell you, folks, it sounds scarier than it actually is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Men I'm are very anxious <laughs> about it, and the vast majority are very, uh, they're relieved, of course, when it's over, because it's over, but they're really surprised at how easy it is to tolerate. Yeah, yeah, because even as you're talking about it, my entire body is cringing. Like, I am, you know, and I did it, and it wasn't cringeworthy, you know what I mean? Like, I was fine, I was well, okay. Well, maybe we'll do it again and see if you get used to it. What do you think? Uh, we'll get to know each other even better. Well, the whole thing was, uh, you know, it, it really wasn't, it wasn't bad. It, it, it sounds scarier than it is, you know? Um, yes, it does. So I mean, it I, is, um, right, it's intimidating to have anything done to your scrotum, um, but, um, but the nice thing is it really changes lives dramatically. Um, I've done them. I've traveled to the Philippines and to Haiti oh, wow. uh, with an organization, and we've done them for free. And these are countries where a lot of the families can't afford, you know, other kinds of birth control. And so they end up having children they really don't want and can't afford. And so it's very gratifying because in 12 minutes, you can really change the trajectory of the whole family, right? If they have three children rather than seven, the opportunities for those children are dramatically better. This is, you know, in, the, in these poor countries. And also just environmentally, it's better. You know, the, it's just, it is the biggest bang for the buck in terms of changing people's lives in terms of time and resources. So I, I think it's, I think they're amazing, really. Well, yeah, well, I didn't know you traveled and did that. That uh... yeah. well, I haven't for a little while, but, um, but yes, it's very gratifying. So that's one part of what I do, which is the, the no needle, no scalpel vasectomies. Um, the other things that are um, sort of unique that we do is we do a lot of, not unique, but we do a lot of treating men with testosterone. Um, so if a man has a low testosterone and has symptoms, um, they really can we can make a huge difference. So the classic symptoms of a low testosterone are decreased energy, decreased libido, difficulty taking off fat and putting on muscle, and sometimes erection issues. And if men have those symptoms and we put them on a good dose of testosterone, then 90% of them will feel dramatically better in terms of those symptoms, like really dramatically. It's, it's sort of life-changing. Um, 
we find we get a lot of patients that are sort of rejected by other practitioners because the official definition by one set uh, by the American Endocrine Society is it has to be below 300 um, before 10 o'clock. And many practitioners will not treat the men if they don't meet those criterion. But I don't think that's fair. First of all, it's it's age related. That doesn't take into account that you know a 30 year old man should have a much higher than 300. And it doesn't take into account working backwards, if they have symptoms and we treat them, they feel dramatically better. You know? And when we're treating them, if 300 is the border, we're not looking to get to 350, we're looking to get 700, 800, 900. So we really sort of rescued a lot of men that have been rejected by other practices. And and I, I mean, I read up on this on your site because I'm considering this myself. Um, it's it's also scary, right? I, I mean, we the only information you can find is what you research and read, and you're gonna find some things that are may not be true. You know, there's mentions about um, uh, well, um, prostate problems, um, potential right. cardiac problems. I was just watching um this thing called bigorexia. I don't know if you've seen it on Netflix about mm -hmm. guys who want to get really big and they're injecting them. So now those guys are kind of abusing it. Right. But one of the problems one of the guys had was an infection on the injection site. Yeah. You know, yeah. so when we're teaching them how to inject, obviously we're giving, we're writing prescriptions. Uh, I mean, there's different ways of doing testosterone replacement therapy. One of the, the main ways is to learn how to self inject with testosterone, which is available by prescription. Mm -hmm. And then of course, so are the needles. Actually, we give the men the needles and syringes because it's just trying to find the right ones that the right pharmacies just drove us crazy. So I buy like 20,000 at a time and wow. just hand it to them as I'm writing the prescription. So obviously if they do it sterily, then they shouldn't have any problem. You can actually do it instead of, you, you can either do it in the muscle or you can do it just in the fat which makes it a little bit easier. Uh, and both of those work. That's uh, just, um, in terms of what you were talking about, the side effects. So there's really the side effects that people worry about, but that have really actually been disproven mm -hmm. are exactly the, the two that you mentioned are the two that are quoted the most are, is it gonna make my prostate grow and give me prostate cancer? And is it gonna give me more heart attacks or strokes? Um, so there was a very big study that came out in the Journal of the American Medical Association in 2018 that looked at 24,000 men with low testosterone, and about a third of them were treated with testosterone. And then they followed them for three years. And the interesting thing was they found that not only did it not increase heart attacks, strokes, any cardiovascular thing, but it actually decreased them by a third, which is actually dramatic. I don't think it was the actual testosterone that did it, but what happens is when the men have a higher testosterone, their energies are better, they exercise more, they take off more fat, they, you know, so that's good for their diabetes and their blood pressure and their cardiovascular system. So it actually improves that, that outcome. Um, in terms of the prostate, um, so that's been a, a sort of a miscalculation for a long time. I can tell you that there are many men now that have low levels of prostate cancer 
And they're un, instead of taking out the prostate, you can do what's called the surveillance protocol, just watch them and make sure it doesn't um, advance. And so we work pretty closely with Sloan Kettering, Memorial Sloan Kettering in the city. And we have men who actually have known low, low grade prostate cancer, and they have no problems putting them on testosterone. So it sort of shows you that it doesn't do that. Um, it does make the prostate grow a little faster, but after you've hit a level of 300, it doesn't really matter if you go from 300 to 600 to 900, 1200, because you've saturated those receptors. So it really doesn't um, have those side effects. Um, it does have, the, the main side effect that we see is that the testosterone makes the men make more red blood cells, which is what mm -hmm. carries the oxygen, the but is also the um, the non-liquid part, the solid part of the blood. Mm -hmm. If that percent gets too high, the percent of the red blood cells, then their blood is thicker. And if we didn't manage that, then they would have a higher chance of heart attacks and strokes. So we either go down on the dosage, we tell them to donate blood. So that's the main thing that we're really watching over time for the testosterone. And that happens. And it's a it matter does of happen, managing. but then we just manage it. So we either have them donate blood, which burns. Does it happen to everybody by default, or is it just some people? Or no, some people. First of all, some people start low, and then if they go into the high normal range, then they actually feel better because that's why athletes dope. Because you know, if you have more red blood cells, it carries your oxygen more oxygen for every heartbeat. So it's actually good up to a point. So no, it 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 does not. Most men do not get into trouble with it. and But again, when I say in trouble, if the hematocrit's higher, then what we do is we just either go down on the dosage or have them donate blood or both. I see. Wow. It's, so it's something that I... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's something that I've considered. And again, just like with vasectomy, I've been scared and hesitant. You know, um, it feels like once you start doing that, you're kind of married to it. You know, which is so, yeah, I mean, it's a good point. It only works while you're on it. But then once you come off of it, um, then you go back to where you would have been. Oh, so now, it doesn't it, shut down naturally. It shuts down temporarily, but it's not like it destroys them. I so see. when, yes, when you're giving testosterone from the outside, when we're giving testosterone replacement therapy, mm -hmm. um, it does temporarily shut down your own production of testosterone. Uh, and then when we stop it, you know, it comes back. Is that so, the usual practice or is it like you're on it and you're on it? Well, usually you feel, the, the reason why we put you on it is because your testes are not making enough. Okay. And so, um, and since 90% of the men feel dramatically better, they're not wanting to come off of it, you know? Um, for those Somebody men told me at the barber shop. He said that to me. He said we were sitting down and we were talking about it and I mentioned uh you know tea therapy and the guy goes, dude, I feel so much better. Like yeah. I feel so much better. And like, what does that mean though? When you say I feel better, like what what does yeah. it mean? Like, yeah, so usually it means it's in a few different areas. It means their energy level is much better. I tell mm -hmm. men the, the classic low testosterone energy thing is decreased energy overall, but especially like that mid-afternoon exhaustion. Um, that's classic low testosterone. Um, and then the other, um, they just have more energy when they exercise, they get a better workout. They're more motivated to work out. Uh, they recover better and they put on more muscle. 
So it's energy overall, as well as energy in terms of exercise. Um, and then of course it increases your interest in sex. Um, you know, if as we get older, our testosterone is lower, you know, we <laughs> our libidos can really get low, and that's a big problem, you know, in a marriage. Um, that could be a problem for me because mine's is already pretty damn high to begin with. <laughs> well, we do have some men, who, yes, right. So if your libido is high, it's going to make it usually even higher. <laughs> and we do have men who say, you know, I just don't think it's a good idea for me because I'm already so much matched with you know, if they're married to a woman, my, my wife, but man, my husband, that um, I don't want to make it worse. So mm. that is true. There, it definitely usually gets your libido better. It's fabulous for the men whose libidos are low um, and who are not having enough sex with their partners and their partners are resenting it, you know, so that's not good. Yeah. yeah. It's, I think, I think that's a, very important thing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's yeah. super important. You know, it's it's sort of odd if you think about it that it's so important that we want to have sex because when you think about what sex is, it's sort of odd, you know, <laughs> um, but the, the act is sort of, you know, sort of odd, but it's so important to be the glue of a marriage. And if you're not having it and you're and you have much less interest than your partner, whether you're a man or a woman, it, it's a big problem for the relationship. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I, when uh, I did, you know, you mentioned in the beginning that you guys cover all aspects. One of the things we did was I spoke with your mental health guy, right? My man, Paul. Right. And yeah. um, he, he was talking about that as well. Like, you know, the importance of, you know, that people don't realize, you know, how important it is. And, you know, he's like, my objective is for you to have great sex. That's it. You know, as long as it's legal, that's what we want. That is what we want. No, you know, as long as it's legal and you're not hurting anybody, we want you to have great sex. And that is the ultimate goal. And I'm like, I, I can get behind that. Right. Great <laughs> sex know? with, you know, integrity. So, you know, if you're if you're married and, and in a monogamous relationship, you know, right. then we we want you to do the right things, you know, Um but yeah, no, it's, um, you know, we have lots of couples that are not monogamous. We have a bunch of swingers in my practice. We have people with open marriages and that's all fine, you know. So right, right. Uh, we, we have the, a huge variety. This is New York, after all, you know, of yes. uh, practices. Though actually, really, it's the whole world. It's uh, if you look at the um, sort of the breadth of people's sexual interests and their behaviors, it's very, very wide, you know. What prompted you to, uh, did you start working like in a hospital or a clinic and you, you you spun off and did your own thing? Like, how did this come about? So I went into medical school knowing that I wanted to do particularly something in the field of infertility. I've just always been interested in that. And so the, the different practitioners in that field can be either urology, taking care of the men with infertility. It could be uh, OBGYN with a specialty in infertility. And those doctors are called reproductive endocrinologists. So they go through an OBGYN uh, uh, residency, then with a fellowship specializing in that, or you could do psychiatry. So I was going to do psychiatry originally, actually I had a position at Columbia and then felt like I wanted something that was more hands-on and switched over to urology. So I did, the training is endless. So I did a year of medicine, because I was going to do psychiatry. Then urology is six years, including two years of general surgery and four years of urology. 
And then I did a fellowship only in sexual medicine. Um, and then I just went right from there um, to, I opened my practice in 1994 and I always have been on my own and that's all I do, you know? And as you've met the different people around me, so we have sex counselor who's part of the team, we have uh, nurse practitioner, PA, medical assistants, so that we really spend a huge amount of time with each patient. So it's a very comprehensive system. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed the uh, experience with you, you folks. Oh, it's yeah. been It's been good, it's been, you know, Again, insofar as uh, you know, cutting your scrotum up, you 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 seem to be legit on that. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to use those words. I would try to say I made a little teeny poke in your scrotum, yes, and yes, from yes. that I got major <laughs> access to your you know your spaghetti strands of uh, sperm cord. You know, so uh, and you actually I, tie them when you say you tie. You, no, what you do is you you bring them up and then you have a loop of the vas deferens, which is amazing what you can get from that little teeny nick in the skin. You cut across it, you cauterize. So you um, so I take a, a, a cautery and I burn I, the inside. I remember that. It's a blur, yeah. but I remember seeing... Yeah, it, does, it doesn't hurt because there's no <laughs> sensation there. Then I tie the layers of fascia over it and then I leave the other end open, actually. So, um, so that, that, and that's the standard of care. It's called an open-ended vasectomy. Okay. This is, um, uh, helps with the potential problems where, um, I read about, um, men having long-term pain because of sealing the other end that you said you leave open. Yeah. So we leave um, open. Yeah. Um, now the, the main risk of vasectomy is what's called post-vasectomy pain syndrome, which is a chronic dull, achy sensation. We think that most of that is caused by buildup of pressure uh, in the tube behind it, in the epididymis. It's still possible to get it, uh, even when you leave it open, but it's much less likely. Now, one of the things that we've pioneered really in, the, uh, in this country, which I'm very proud of, is what's called um, extended sperm search and microfreeze. So there are many men who come in with very, very low numbers of sperm in the ejaculate, so low that you can't find them on a regular basis, which is called cryptospermia, or they have no sperm in the ejaculate. And if they wanna have children, of course, that could be an issue. And we have brought in from Israel a technique where we basically spend about eight hours, six to eight hours looking through the ejaculate, sorry, to see if we can find any sperm. And in the men who've had zeros, we're finding sperm in 30 to 40%, uh, which is really cool. And not only do we find them, but we can manipulate them onto the little dishes so that we can freeze them so that we can use them later. So it's, it's very cool. It's sort of changing the way uh, we deal with men with low numbers and with no sperm. So we've, we've been really pioneering. We pioneered that in America based on technology that developed in Israel. So, and it's really starting to take off now in, Man in Manhattan particularly. So that's cool. And then of course we have the biggest local sperm bank. Um, we bank for men who um, are doing it for themselves. So let's say they're gonna go, they're gonna have a vasectomy, but they think they may wanna just keep the option open. So they will bank. Mm -hmm. Um, or they're going to go undergo cancer treatment or some kind of other thing that will either damage the sperm or their ability to ejaculate them. 
Um, that's one group that we bank. We're, we're banking more and more men who are, you know, reaching 35 and over without uh, being in a relationship, um, but ultimately want to have children because we know that as men get older, um, their offspring have more and more, you know, issues based on genetic problems um, because the sperm quality deteriorates over time. So if we can get it and freeze it, then, you know, then they're, they're getting their partners pregnant with the sperm of a 35-year-old rather than a 47-year-old. So that's a big group now because people are delaying and delaying and delaying, you know, when they have kids. And so the recommendations are to consider banking, you know, at that point. Um, we also get a lot of uh, teenage or not even teenage uh, trans women. So starting out as boys slash men who are transitioning to women. And once you put them on hormones, um, then they're going to have problems with sperm production. So we bank them before they start hormones. Um, there was an article actually in the New York Times about us because we did um, a, that ESSM on a woman who had been on hormones for 18 years um, and we found sperm, um, you know, uh, in the ejaculate before she had her surgery to get rid of the testes altogether. So uh, that was pretty cool. Before that, the, the longest had been two and a half years. So we're doing some really cool stuff and uh, it's really fun actually. And then the other thing is erection issues. So what we always say in this practice is, you know, if you have a penis, we can get you an erection. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I read is, that. <laughs> yeah, it really works. And the truth is it's true. So no one should give up. You know, um, if you haven't had luck, um, then come and see us or come in and see someone who really specializes in this because we should be able to get you. Would you say that's more physical or mental? So I would say um, that the vast majority of time when men have problems, it is physical. Of course, once you start not uh, performing, if you want to call it that, on a, you know, consistently, then of course it gets into your head and that can have a negative effect. So we uh, do an evaluation of every man that comes in to try to figure out what's going on. And even if it does turn out to be psychological, often we'll treat it physically um, to get them good erections, obviously nothing permanent. And then once they know that they can get good erections on a regular basis, then their confidence goes up and they don't need treatment anymore. You know, so uh, they just sort of wean themselves off treatment. Uh, so we use oral medications, we use injections, we use just a lot of different ways to get them in erections. So if you, you know, Viagra came out, uh, now it's generic, Sildenafil, in 1998. Um, and then you had a whole group of men who didn't even know that when I opened my practice, there was no internet and there was no Viagra. So people really didn't even know that other people were having erection issues, let alone that there was any solutions for it. Um, and now, of course, it's a different story, but a lot of men are like embarrassed to go. Uh, they spend a huge amount of money on you know, hymns or get Romans so they don't actually have to talk to anyone. And they, they charge a fortune for the pills compared to what you can get them by prescription at some of these pharmacies. Um, and then if they don't work because they're not giving the max dose or it just doesn't work, then they're like, oh my God, nothing's going to work. But they really, there, there is something that's going to work. We'll figure it out. You know, so if you've not had a good experience with the pills, don't assume that you're beyond help. Well, that's good to know. I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people get relief from that. 
I mean, yep. we've all had our moments, right? I've had my moments where it's like, yo, what's going on, dude? Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> you when know? you're younger, you think of your penis as like, you know, totally on 100% of the time. And it's almost inconceivable that you won't get an erection. You know that, though? The first time I was with a girl, right? The first time when I lost my virginity, I came in like 10 seconds, right? Like, yeah. Understandable, right? Right. But then I couldn't get hard again. And I was like 19, but right. I think there was up here. Yes. You know, yeah. in those I situations, think, yeah, you can sort of figure out when there's anxiety going on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There was like, I think, you know, like she's like, come on, dude. Like, and I wanted to, you know what I mean? And I don't know what happened. I just, you know, I, I just couldn't, you know, we tried everything and I just couldn't. And I, I, the only thing I could think of is that because I came so damn quick, now I got in my head. You know what I'm yeah, saying? And no, then, I mean, yeah. people, it's easy to get in your head about sexual stuff, for sure. But but we can break through that. And so even, again, sort of what I just said is, let's say that you really got in your head, and then after that, you couldn't get erections at all. You know, um, then at that point, we would... You would come in, we would treat you aggressively, you know, give you mm. either the pills or the injections or whatever we needed to get you good erections. And then once your confidence came back up, you would find probably that you wouldn't need them anymore. When you say injections, what what kind of injections so, are you talking about? They about? sound terrible, um, but um, so the pills work um, in a lot of men. And the way they work is when you're excited, you send a chemical to your penis um, to to cause the smooth muscle to relax so that it opens up the arteries, more blood flows in mm. and you have to trap the blood. So I always tell patients, it's like a bathtub. You have to get the blood in and you have to hold on to it. Um, so you have to turn the water on and you have to put the stopper in. Um, if they are uh, have a problem with not enough inflow or they're really not able to trap, we can teach them how to self inject. So there's a device where you put the disposable needle in, you press a button. I know I'm seeing that's what everyone does. It literally feels like you've been flicked with the rubber band, much easier than the vasectomy. You literally, <laughs> you almost barely don't feel it. And you're giving a powerful medicine directly where you need it into the penis. All the porn stars are using that. That's why you, you they, put that they, into your penis? On, into the side. Yeah. You just oh, flick the button. Christ. Yeah. Yeah. But oh if you needed God. it, you'd love it. I mean, the porn stars are using it. That's why we all feel badly about ourselves because they're using it. They, it helps. They actually can last through their ejaculation, you know? Um, so. Um, well, yeah. Those porn stars will mess you up. I, I saw a video you did about that, you know, when it comes to like comparing size and stuff like that, yeah. you know, it'll definitely, uh, <laughs> Yeah, most men really underestimate this their size. Most men think that we're handsomer than average, we're smarter than average, we drive better than average, but we underestimate the size of our penises because the only ones we see are the ones in porn. You know, so um, I have men with very big These. penises who think that they're small, <laughs> and lots of people who are normal who think that they're teeny. So you know, I'm I'm always if you should if you push down to your pubic bone through the fat and put your penis on stretch. You should be between four and six inches. So not nearly as big as you think. Yeah, that's the average. Good. There's something new every day. Well, this was fun. Thank <laughs> yeah, you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you for doing it. I appreciate you. You are listening to the NYC Talking Podcast. www.nyctalking.com.
Please like NYC Talking on Facebook. Please follow Angel R. Talk on Twitter and Instagram. We are NYC Talking, the realest lifestyle blog ever. Thanks for listening.